Visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International, and I am Natalie So. Up this hour, we have some music for you on just the classics. But first, join us for some interesting stories on here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It is Wednesday, June 16th. And in the studio today, we have Shirley Lin. Hi there. And I am Natalie So. Well, our outbreak is slowing down. We'll be telling you more about that. Also, um, we're starting some mass vaccinations of the elderly. And some counties have been using a Japanese way to make it go smoother. We'll be telling you more about that. On, and speaking of Japan, our white rhino named Emma um, arrived in Tokyo. We'll tell you more about those stories coming up next. Okay, so ever since um, Sunday, we've been ha seeing a lot fewer cases, like under 200 cases, which is kind of a relief, isn't yeah, it, Shirley? Yeah, definitely. How do you feel about that? Oh, I feel great. I mean, you know, hearing that and the number of deaths has also gone down, and uh, that's a relief, too. Right. Things are going down. Of course, that doesn't mean we can just go out and party right now. No. No. <laughs> We're still on semi-lockdown, level three alert. Right. So, but um, on May 15th, actually, it lasted... Um, one month. Yeah. On May 15th, we had 180 cases, and that was the first time we made triple digits. And then mm. on June 14th, we went back to under 200. But in between, we're like 300, 400, 500, 600, 700. A mm. lot of cases. Did we go up to 700? We did? Well, including backlog cases. Oh, yeah, you're right. So, um, yeah, mm. it really, because we had a lot of super spreader people and mm -hmm. events going on because people don't know. And then uh, on May 15th, we also had our level three lockdown in Taipei, mm -hmm. New Taipei. And then a couple of days later, it was the, whole, the nation. whole nation. And we're still under level three lockdown, which basically means no more than five people can meet indoors, mm -hmm. 10 people outdoors. And a lot of places of business are closed right now. Right. Including restaurants and stuff. Yeah. Except unless you have takeouts. And that's the only thing that's allowed. That's true. Takeouts. And even now at supermarkets, you have to... Mm -hmm go on the day that your id number you know odd or even days oh yeah that's if this it's the wet markets yeah the traditional no, supermarkets, market. oh, supermarkets too. too i tried this weekend i got turned away from the supermarket oh really right well i guess the one i go to is not a super like a big supermarket oh, okay they well the big ones like px mart are doing yeah that. oh i've got a px mart but it's a smaller one they didn't they didn't do it I, we just have to like you know give our personal information by oh. swiping our phone mm -hmm. uh with the qr code and that's about it, yeah. So. Okay, so Taiwan is taking a lot of precautions, um, being pretty careful here. And it is a little bit, you know, scary for because we thought we were, had it all under control. And then mm. all of a sudden it came. I know, yeah. So um, Certain loopholes. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully this, is, this trend will continue. I mean, that would be great if it continues. Yes, um, that would be great. Yeah. But the other the good thing is that, um, you know, we're starting the uh, vaccination to roll out. And uh, first up are the, well, I mean, besides the, you know, frontline medical workers, 
um, like just yesterday, my father-in-law my, and my dad, you know, got vaccinated. Uh, vaccinated. Oh, that's so, great. Cause yeah. Um, anyone above 85 years old first, that's the first batch for elderly. And my father-in-law's 90. And my dad just turning 85 this year. So, but mo- both of my mothers, uh, my mother-in-law, my mom, not yet, not for them. Okay. Yeah. They're next. <laughs> They're, yeah. Well, it, I don't know. It, it depends, right? Because, I mean, at first they said 75 years old and above. And then, then they marked it up to 85 because they weren't sure if there's enough vaccines to go around this first round. Yeah. So hopefully soon that, you know, my, my mother-in-law, my mother can get theirs sometime in the next couple of months. Hopefully. Did everything go okay? Uh, yeah. You know, um, I didn't even know this, but I, I felt more relieved knowing that elderly people actually don't get as much as side effects as you know younger people like, really like our kids or something yeah i mean my mother-in-law was got scared because my daughter you know the one who's a nurse when she got her first shot she was like down with a fever for two days wow and and she so got az uh, yeah, AstraZeneca? yeah oh yeah and then she um and then my my husband's sister in switzerland also got hers and she's what she's 50 years old and she was like feeling really awful. She was like oh. having fever and just, you know, just totally drained and everything. So that got my mother-in-law really scared. But but then I learned that actually the older you are, the less likely you would have side effects. So I think that calmed that's down a bit. That's interesting. Well, that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's good to know. Anyway, so yeah, we're getting there. So, well, actually there are some counties who used a Japanese way to make this vaccination process a little easier. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, So apparently there's this town in Fukuoka Prefecture in Japan called Umi, and it's the Umimachi style, which is like Umi street style. Um, Basically, they would have the seniors go to the designated venues that that they're supposed to get the jabs, but they would just remain seated. And it's the, the medical staff that's on a moving line. Like, you know, so it's not the elderly people having to get up and move, you know, to get their jabs, but they just sit where they are and then they have the medical staff come by, you know, one after the other and give you the jabs. So Taizong, Kaohsiung and Jiayi counties, they all um, adopted this way. And and I think they got it by pretty fast, apparently. So Taizong at least um, had to jab, uh, I mean, vaccinate 36,000 people older than 85 years old. And so they try to vaccinate 120 people an hour, but then taking three days. So yesterday was the first day. And that's, you know, how my father-in-law, my, my dad got their jabs on the very first day. So, um, but, um, so that helps. I, ho- I don't know if the rest of the country would try to adopt that because the very first day in some places in Taipei, it was a mess. And People are like not knowing where to sit or yeah. getting moved around and Right. There. And these elderly people were getting upset because they were told to move, like, you know, they were told to sit here. And then, it, no, no, you have to get up and go sit there. And they, they just blew it, you know. And so it was just a mess. And uh, um, maybe they should try to adopt this way. Because, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, this is better. You don't make the elderly people. Some elderly people are not that, you know, mobile, mobile right? And, you know, maybe they have disabilities and things like that. So um, there were some people who were complaining and saying that they've been sitting or, or they've been waiting, just keep on waiting for a long time. And they're like sore from just sitting down and waiting, you know. So um, hopefully they will adopt this umimachi style. I'm thinking if it worked for sense. Taizong, Kaohsiung, and Jiayi, it should work for them. 
I think especially for the elderly, right? That yeah. way they don't have to get up and, I mean, they can stand up and whatever, stretch, but they don't have to like keep changing seats keep changing and seats. get confused. Right. It may um, be a little bit safer, right? Keeping yeah, people in the same place. Exactly. So, so I think they should try to do that. Um, although I don't know because um, maybe it has, it's a matter of like being understaffed, medical workers, you know, people who actually give you the jabs. That could be one thing because apparently, um, I, I think this video that we did the other day uh, was saying that there just weren't enough medical workers going around. Well, I think there were all these assistant employees, I mean, uh, volunteers, oh. but then not enough medical staff, you know, going around oh, giving dear. the jabs. Yeah, which is, uh, yeah, anyway. Right. They're the hardworking people, but yeah, they're already overworked, really. We're getting through this one yes. day at a time. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I'd like to hear about um, our white rhino named Emma, Emma, who went to Japan. That's another yeah. Japan connection we have here. Yeah. Okay, this is a really cute story here. Um, so basically, Emma uh, was chosen among a whole herd of competitors to find a companion to find love. And, Are you um, serious? So, yeah. It's, ah, she's, she wait a minute, she's How was she five chosen? years old. Yeah, how did was she the chosen? rhino choose her? Or oh, I'm no, 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 no. <laughs> it's the I think it's the zoo staff that oh chose him. Oh my them. gosh, that's basically cute. they um they say that she was picked from a herd of twenty three vinyls. Uh, sorry, rhinos, um, because of her even temper and oh. and her slender physique. Because what? then oh it's gosh. easier for her to sh be shipped. shipped. You know, oh, to, okay, I'm thinking <laughs> they don't apply those like <laughs> supermodel <laughs> standards to rhinos, do they? <laughs> I know. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. And um, and that, and then she um seldom gets into fights with other rhinos or snatches others' food. She's just like totally very, very even-tempered person, a person, animal, rhino. And and <laughs> and so, so she is actually going to be uh, matched up with uh, her first suitor, a ten-year-old Moreland, I think. Um, yeah. She's five years old, and she's matched with a ten-year-old. So they don't have any female rhinos in, in Japan. Um, I, I, no, no. I think that white. Rhinos. I think they. I mean, I think, I think, uh, the idea was to send a female over there. I think that's what it was. But basically, I mean, they had been planning this since March, but because of COVID, you know, it got delayed and everything. But um, it's funny because the rhino says, uh, in any case, the Taiwan, you know, zoo staff thought, well. Use this time to prepare Emma more for the move. So they were teaching her using Japanese words oh. to shout out to her, like, you know, come. I think in Japanese would be kochikoi, you know, <laughs> or um, like come here, you know, and, and no, that, that would be, I think, dame, like, you know, no, like you say, telling kids like, no, you can't touch, you know, you can't have a uh -huh. candy or something. Dame, I think that would be it. Not iye, I think it would be dame, yeah. So I'm thinking like, you no, know, she's getting familiar with all these different, you know, Japanese phrases, you know, to get used to her Japanese new home, you know. So I think that's really, really cute. But um, yeah, I think that's, you know, I think that that's really great. In thing. fact, um, so she is from Xinzu's uh, Liufu Safari Park, right? Now, this park apparently, you know, is really great at breeding because um, they actually imported eight rhinos from Africa back in 1979. And it has the most successful breeding program in Asia, not just in Taiwan. Really? I wonder why. <laughs> With 23 animals in its herd. So, 
Well, I think Emma got lucky, you know, and I think she's got, she's in good care when she was here in Taiwan, and I think she's going to be in good care when she's over in Japan. I don't know. Is she going to stay there? Maybe she will come back. Well, I don't know. How does it work? I'm not know. sure. I didn't even know That's they got did it curious. this matchmaking. I know, right? Right? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Maybe we don't have enough male rhinos, white rhinos, by the way. This, these are white rhinos. So I think they're... Well, they they're needed a female, right? Low, yeah. so they're low on females, I think. Yeah, they want. Oh, probably. Yeah, probably they wanted females, so that's why. So, but um. Oh, yeah. but we gave the best of our our <laughs> rhino to Japan, but that's okay. They gave us 1.2 million AstraZeneca vaccines. Oh yeah, that's right. So should yeah, we, we should thank them trade anyway. some more, like <laughs> another few million? What other animals do you? <laughs> I know. Yeah, really. What other animals do you guys want to try to breed? You know. Um, let us know. Maybe we can offer some or something like that. That is so cute. You know, it? I think animals do have a temperament. Like, I have a pet mm. cat, mm -hmm. and we visited him three times before we brought him. Oh, okay. And the first two times, he was just, like, so gentle. I actually was afraid something's wrong with him. Oh, yeah. Because he's a little kitty, and he didn't, like, you know, jump around a lot. And uh -huh. so, like, I spied on him. Okay. You know, and, yeah, yeah, he was playing around with his roommate, his oh, sister. Okay. So. So I figured, oh, he's okay. But he was like really mild mannered. And, oh. and um, you know, and whenever he still is. he's, he's fairly mild. -mannered. I mean, I think he's a little bit more at ease now, but he, uh -huh. he is pretty mild mannered. And, yeah. and the um, pet shop owner said, yeah, because, you know, whenever they like do things to him, he, he wouldn't like give a fuss or anything, oh. you know, like clean them Very up. Very nice whatever. tempered. So, yeah, oh, so wow. I think dogs and cats and, and probably rhinos, right? Everybody mm -hmm. has their own temperament. Right, right, yeah. So they wanted so a cute. gentle one, right? I know, right? Very nice. So I hope that she's happy <laughs> in her works new home. Out. I hope she falls in love with Moran. <laughs> <laughs> so Shirley, who do you think should be on the vaccination priority list? You know... I'm looking at this new story, and I actually really thought that they should really be the ones to get it too. I mean, have priority on getting vaccinated. I mean, we're talking about food delivery guys or mm -hmm. women, because they're the ones that are doing all the, you know, the difficult they're work. They're running around. They're running around, and, and they make it convenient for us. And, and also, we probably touch actually. the things that they touch, right? Yeah. Unless they're wearing gloves or something. Right. So they're putting their stomachs in a little bit of danger. And, I know, you know they that, are. They're they're spreading whatever they have, right? right. And so but they're if, doing if the hard part for us. That's you know? true. And if they have the virus, they're going to spread it pretty quickly. Right. Or even vice versa. <laughs> yeah, they you can know. catch it easily, they're, too. They can catch it, too. I was thinking more like, you know, they'll, they'll catch it more easily. That's that's what I'm thinking. So I, I, I personally think that they should be vaccinated. I mean, um, as it is, it's already, you know, it's summertime, it's hot out there. They're usually on the scooters and motorcycle, you know, you know um, sending out food over. And it's hot. And, and usually they're on a time limit. You know, they have to speed everywhere to get the food in time and everything. And I think they've really got hard work. In a way, you know, they probably will be thankful that they actually have a job that can still have a steady income. But at the same time, they're, they're, they've got a really tough job. That's true. And, and more and more people I know are getting into this business. Really? You know? Yeah. Because you know people in the business? No, but it's um, not business. I meant uh, like, you know, become part-time jobs. Yeah, part jobs. And, and because, you know, maybe, yeah, if they're the job that they had previously, you know, closed or whatever, before whatever reason, because of COVID, um, this is something that's not, you know, that's like growing. There's always a demand for yeah, this, There's always right? a demand and it's growing. And it's not only just um, just delivering, you know, like food 
um, that you can eat right away, but also do grocery for you, right? And I think some of them even deliver packages, you know, as long as they're not too big or something like that, I think. So the scope of service is expanding even, which is making so much more convenient for us and we're getting so much more lazy. But of course, That's we're true. supposed to stay home. We're supposed to stay at home. <laughs> you know? So just these people are running around for us and, and they should they should get vaccinated. I yeah. think they should be put on the list too. I, I, I think so too. I agree. So it's the Consumers Foundation that's suggesting that they should really be you know, put on a priority list uh, for vaccination. In fact, each person is on the average maybe have 40 cent transactions a day. That That's a lot. 40 cent? 40 transactions. I mean, they, they, they deliver. Oh, you know. those people. I thought yeah. you were the average oh, no. citizen. Yeah. So if you estimate that there, there could be as much as 7 million of these people making all these trips, you know, um, sending food and everything, delivering meals and all that. So we're talking about a lot of interaction between customers and these delivery people. And so they, they should be vaccinated. And... Um, and, and, and in fact, the Consumers Foundation was saying that um, they are, uh, because of the amount of contact they have with the public, is no less than those in the second and third priority group. That's you know? true. So, yeah, so that's the basis why they say that they should. And besides, um, uh, some, some people say that the virus that causes COVID-19 can survive for four to five days on plastic or paper packages. Are you serious? That's yeah, this is time. scary, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. Some have been detected on frozen food items. That's oh. according to this article. Gosh. So if, you know, so, well, basically, there are also, there's, here's a warning is that when you get the food from a delivery guy, um, you should also spray it down before you open it up and, you know, consume the food inside and vice versa. Like the restaurants, when they prepare the food, they should spray it down before the delivery man, you know, picks it up and delivers it. So... But some precautions that? that you can, yeah, I know. I don't know. Okay, we're going to tell you some precautions you can take at home yeah. if you're worried about the virus entering your home. Okay, so people have been advised to stay at home as much as they can here in Taiwan, and I think that's been the way it is uh, around the world for some time, right? Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, you... Your whole country is vaccinated. So um, a dermatologist recently came out to give us about six tips of what you can do to keep the virus at bay when you're at home. So this is when you walk in the door, you're supposed to actually keep um, a bottle of rubbing alcohol outside your door. Do you do that, Natalie? No. I know. I I do it inside my door. (laughs) Same here. But outside, what if someone takes it, you know? (laughs) Or what if it, 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 it um, evaporates? Lock a chain around it or something like that. <laughs> evaporates or something. So anyway, mm. you're supposed to do outside your door to spray, on a spray doorknob. your doorknob. Yeah. Shouldn't you spray your hands too? Right? Um, I usually, uh, the first thing I do is I can I wash know. my hands when I come in. Yes. Put down my stuff and wash my hands. But anyway, she says you should spray your door. And then after you spray your door, spray your clothes, your bag, and your wallet. I would say your phone too. Yeah, she didn't say about her phone, but because anyway, like it should be. We need to use our phone to register everywhere we go, right? Yeah, so right. we're touching our phone. Uh-huh. So that is the place that probably has the most, you know, germs on it. Mm. So we should spray all that stuff and throw away your mask, mm-hmm. and then hang up your jacket and hat. If, mm, if and, you wear a hat, and if you have a package with you, spray it down. 
before you open it. Yeah, right. take it indoors or oh my something gosh. like that. I haven't There's been a lot doing of steps any of this. Neither and then, um, then, okay, this is what I've been doing. Wash your hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they say also take off your clothes and go take a shower and use warm water yeah. to shower and leave your shampoo on for at least 20 seconds. Before well, you rinse it out. I didn't know that it could get in your hair. I didn't even think about that. That's oh, not yeah. hard to do. No, it isn't. I mean, I, sometimes I get lazy and because you've been working all day. You're tired. When you get home, basically, it's saying that you should take a shower first before you That's do anything true. else. That's true. And change and all I, your clothes <laughs> and your hair, right? And <laughs> wash your hair. It's, it, you have it to imagine you time. might have the virus on you when you're entering the home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you and need you really to like, don't, yeah. clean everything out. I know. I haven't been doing this except, I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, our, our other colleague, John Ventrias, he was saying that the first thing he does when he gets home he would wash his hands, then he would spray down his um, his mobile and house keys, mm -hmm. and then wash his hands a second time. Right, I usually you... wash my hands more than once because I, right. I figure I probably didn't do a good enough job the first time. I know. Well, John is very careful. He is. He, he wears goggles to work too, right? Yes. And he like sprays he everything before he uses it. Yes. So this um, is even before, you know, COVID started. And he was wearing a mask before COVID yes, started too, yes, right? Yeah. He, he's, so he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's really quite, um, scared of um, and, uh, yeah. germs and stuff. So, but, um, yeah, I haven't been, yeah, I haven't been doing very well and, you know, really cleaning, cleaning up before <laughs> I sit down and, you know, take a deep breath and, <laughs> and, and slouch on a couch. Ah, uh, yeah, I got to do better than that. Okay. First of all, it's like keep a rubbing alcohol outside. I don't know about that. Um, I have to think about. <laughs> or you could maybe right inside, right inside your door. door I and do, then but once, I don't spray. <laughs> but once you open the door, you spray spray yes. the door hand knob inside and on the inside and the outside. Yeah, that's the thing. Maybe I'll keep it indoors, and that which means right inside the door. Which means that once I get in, I spray. Uh, then I can open the door and spray on the doorknobs again, and then close it. Oh, it's just so many steps, you know. Sometimes I, I hate know, the hassle. I know. But, but really, for the sake of... <laughs> well, so if you really want to be safe, you can yes. do all these things. Yes. Um, yeah, it is kind of scary that, you know, the virus is so uh, prevalent. But um, it I is know. dying down in here in Taiwan. Hopefully, mm -hmm. we'll be having good news in another month or so. Maybe. I mean, like, it's it went down from 180 the first day a month ago, and then went up and now it's down to about that level mm. so maybe we can like get it down to under 100 yes in another hopefully. month you know and then after that uh, lower and lower so anyway we will keep you updated on that yeah. and um we hope that you're doing okay in your country yeah really so let's all keep safe keep wearing our masks when we go out oh keep also some people we're we're doing some um Testing in Qingzhou, tell us about that. That's been yeah. getting people pretty positive. This is really something. Well, first of all, uh, what was it now? Uh, June 2nd, there was like a cluster infection at a electronics company in Qingzhou. Mm -hmm. And that got really, you know, it started, you know the, the, the number just kept multiplying. And so a team of phys doctors and dentists in Qingzhou got together on their own and decided to start a uh, quick testing station. And um, they tested over five days. They tested 5,213 people. Wow. And so they were a team they catch of... some people with the virus? Yeah. So, so basically, you know, it's interesting. They actually used 43 dentists and seven traditional Chinese medicine practitioners. 
because I mean dentists they actually you know they work with the mouth so they actually know very well you just have to teach them you know where to swab the the throat and the nasal part and everything and so it's very easy to teach them but you never thought that dentists actually can help out but yeah I'm, I'm sure the dentists you know so maybe this is spreading the word here that hey you can get dentists to help out if medical staff is under understaffed and um, so basically they're taught how to identify people with hidden infections and 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 get it all done very quickly and you know especially people who are afraid to go to the hospital for quick tests they can go to this place and feel safe and um, and they've got these you know not just doctors but also dentists helping out and and even even traditional what is it Chinese medicine doctors to help out as well so use anybody you can and they're very helpful they think that you really want to help the city so they all kind of you know willing to just with the first you know uh, announcement they all said yeah let me help let me help yeah they so, don't want it to spread through Shinzu that's right sure. oh yeah that's that's sure. our high-tech industry that's so. right that's, that's right. good that they got it under control I think or you know they caught whatever cases how many yeah. cases do they catch did they say uh, it doesn't say okay yeah well anyway um, yeah that's how we're doing here in Taiwan we are progressing hopefully we're gonna contain this thing um, thank you for tuning in for here in Taiwan I am Natalie so and I'm Shirley Lynn we'll see you next time When you think about long-established Taiwanese artists who've left a musical legacy, Ouyang Feifei is one of the first to come to mind. Though her long and prestigious career in Japan makes her almost more of a Japanese than a Taiwanese pop singer, and many of her hit songs started out as Japanese tunes, Ouyang Feifei is at the end of the day a Taiwanese treasure. Now in her early 70s, she has been on the scene here for decades, and today we're going to retrace the career of this international star from the beginning, looking along the way at the classics she's left for us. I'm John Van Trieste, and this is Just the Classics. Ouyang Feifei was born in Taipei in 1949, the year the Chinese Civil War ended in communist victory, and the KMT government fled to Taiwan. Her father was among those with a background in the KMT military who ended up staying in Taiwan rather than braving the Chinese communists back home. Ouyang Feifei was born in one of the many villages being quickly put together for military men who'd fled the communists and their families. She began singing professionally in 1967 at around the age of 18, performing at a Taipei theater called Central Hotel. But Taiwan proved too small for her ambitions, and by September 1971, she was in Japan and had recorded an album. The Japanese original was called Aminomidosuji, but this is her later Chinese rendition of the same song, translated here as Pacing in the Rain. It was a good start to a long career. The Japanese language original was a significant hit in Japan and won her a Japan Record Award. <laughs>
Rain features in the titles of a lot of songs and albums that Ouyang Feifei's recorded over her career. There are the songs Rainy Airport and Rainy Yokohama and the album Memories in the Rain. These are passion-filled songs with lyrics that are dreary and tear-soaked and all about looking for lost love. These downers seem to have been really well-received in Japan because by the end of 1972, Ouyang Feifei was given a great and unusual honor. She was able to make it on to one of Japan's biggest annual musical spectacles, the New Year Eve special Kohaku Utagasen, despite being a foreigner and despite being a relative newcomer to the music scene. She would be invited back too, both the next year and once more in 1991. But lest you get the impression that she's all weepy and melodramatic, Ouyang Feifei does have an upbeat and even feisty side too. You can hear it in this number. It's a 1974 cover of an earlier Japanese song. It's been redone in Chinese here with the title Desert of Passion. This song was a resounding success, not only in Japan, but in Hong Kong and Southeast Asia as well. And back home in Taiwan, it earned her a bit of notoriety. This song had the distinction of being one of many that were censored by the authorities. At this point, Taiwan was still under dictatorial one-party rule, and even the smallest of things could get a song banned. The problem with this song? The authorities thought the loud ah in the lyrics was a bit too suggestive.
Love and passion are just as big a part of Ouyang Feifei's work as rain and gloom. You can hear that in this 1975 song, May Affection. upbeat side of Ouyang Feifei was perfect for the disco music becoming popular during the 1970s. Some have even called her Japan's disco queen. This may be a stretch. Listening to her songs from the era, it seems that she never went full-on Donna Summers, but she did do a number of songs with waka wow guitars, syncopated horn stabs, and funky strings. Here's 1976's Xiangwang, or Yearning, as an example. Mong 
在我的前方，挡住我的去向。梦想听起来多么。Ouyang Feifei had a long string of hits like this one during the 1970s, and since a number of these are still so well known, it's tempting to make the whole program about this part of her career. But Ouyang Feifei would keep singing for many decades to come, and her disco-tinged style would change with the times. Especially common among her later works are heartfelt piano-accompanied ballads. Here's one of her hits of the early 1980s, a romantic ballad entitled "Love Is Over."
情意，也曾对你许下诺言，今生我永不移。Ouyang Feifei's fame in Japan was huge, and her appearances back home in Taiwan weren't so many in later years. After all, she'd long since married a Japanese man, a former race car driver with whom she'd stay until his death in 2016. But she didn't totally forget her Taiwanese roots or her Taiwanese fans. Here's another romantic ballad done in Chinese, "Love You Forever," released in 1991.
here she is in 1999 with yet another airport-themed song, which you might translate into English as Arrivals and Departures, yet another song of leaving things behind. What about some of her more recent stuff? Well, unfortunately, we don't have the rights to it, and there isn't a whole lot. Since 1999, she's mostly focused on live appearances and re-releasing older hits. But she has done some more recent Japanese stuff as recently as 2008, and in typical Ouyang Feifei fashion, she went back to singing about the rain. That year, she released an album in Japan called Feifei in the Rain, and just before that, she also released a Japanese single called Rain in New York. Ouyang Feifei has kept quiet in more recent years, but this is one Taiwanese legend that can afford to rest on her laurels, a singer who's done enough when it comes to leaving a legacy filled with classics. I am John Van Trieste, and I'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. 
and in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Type A, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Type A, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.